and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Anita Edwards and I'm a Senior Knowledge Lawyer in the Financial Services team here at Norton Rose Fulbright in London. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Herbst, a partner and global head of our Financial Services Group, and Hannah Meakin, also a partner in our Financial Services Group. Today we're going to discuss the obligations that firms have under UK remit to record and retain communications relating to their trading in wholesale energy products, in light of a large fine issued to a firm last month by Ofgem, the energy regulator, for breaches of those obligations. So, Jonathan, the fine was issued to this firm by Ofgem for not having recorded and retained electronic communications in relation to its trading of wholesale energy products. The legal obligation to make and keep those records is set out in the remit enforcement regulations. Could you summarise what that requirement is? Sure. Yes. Hello, everybody. Uh, Thanks, Anita. So the the requirement is that a firm must take reasonable steps to ensure that any relevant communication is recorded and a copy is retained for at least six months from the date of the record, uh, record's creation, and also prevent the making, sending or receiving of any relevant communication that they cannot ensure is recorded, broadly speaking. It's a little more detailed than that, but that's that's the, the guts of it. Importantly, and this is, I think, the key bit, relevant communications uh, include both telephone and electronic, but and, you know, of the various types, but crucially made for the direct or indirect purpose of entering into any transaction in wholesale energy products, i.e. remit products. And I think the big issue in the market is what does direct or indirect mean? It's slightly different to the European wording. It's broader. And the indirect, I think, is something we've been looking at in great detail, which is it's not just the direct call or email related to the trade, it's the stuff leading up to it. There's quite a lot of learning behind that, but in a nutshell, that's the regime. And I think it's how broad you go is the big question. Great. Thanks, Jonathan. And Hannah, what powers does Ofgem have to take action if a firm doesn't comply with the obligation to record and to retain those records? Thanks, Anita. Uh, yes, where where the obligation is breached, then Ofgem has the power to impose a penalty on the firm of such amount as it considers appropriate, in other words, an unlimited fine. Um, And we've seen Ofgem take such action recently. Um, Or they can publicly censure the firm by publishing a statement to that effect, or to the effect that the firm has failed to comply with the record keeping obligation. Thanks, Hannah. Um, And if I could ask you both this next question, what actions can or should firms take to ensure they're compliant with the obligation to record and to retain records under the remit enforcement regulations? Yes, thanks, Anita. I mean, look, first things first, the message from the the fine was, one's got to take this seriously. And in a sense, it's culturally quite tricky because firms, I think, have not necessarily adopted all of the systems and controls we, we know from the sort of FS world. But a few ideas. Firstly, obviously, checking the overall systems and controls and compliance. It's it's obvious. And, you know, whether there's a proper series of policies, uh, in particular, that detail exactly what is in scope and out of scope. And just to give a couple of examples of that, you know, you've got the very obvious cases of traders using various forms of communication in the front office. You've then got the various types of communication that can happen between traders and the various back office functions leading up to a trade. And then you've got internal communications that might be more indirect uh, in relation to the trade. I think, you know, firms need a consistent policy on all of those. So that's that's number one. Uh, number two, I think you've got the whole question of what sorts of communication are permissible or not. And, and the obvious questions here relate to, you know, use of just firm devices or anything broader. I, I think the, the more prudent view, and this is not a new point, has been 
you know, not to allow the use of personal devices. Now, it's fair to say the actual regs don't say that. And I think ultimately to turn it around, it's going to depend on whether you actually can be sufficiently confident that you will be able to record in all cases. That is a considerable burden where you've got, for example, a plug-in approach, a personal device being plugged into the, the firm system. So this all needs to be looked at, but simple answer will be that. And obviously the types of communication, you know, the classic WhatsApp issue, which we all know, and we've seen both FCA and other regulators look at, is, is something to think about carefully. So that's, that's number two. And I think thirdly, you've got the whole question of monitoring, uh, you know, of the various types uh, that the compliance team need to do to make sure that whatever they say, you know, in the manuals is actually being complied with. And fourthly, you've got sort of training of various types, in particular for the trading stuff. But maybe, Hannah, if you want to pick up on that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, in, in terms of training, it's particularly important for firms to do as much as they can to help their employees understand and comply with the requirements. So um, a few kind of uh, ideas about how that can be done. Uh, first of all, it's, it's, we find it's usually better to do training in small groups um, using examples and case studies that are particular to the business area in question. Um, Secondly, uh, maybe emphasising the need to take care when communicating with colleagues and third parties for business purposes. Um, I think people are generally prone to use more informal language when they communicate via messaging applications than they would otherwise. Um, but it, it, it's also useful to remind people that there are a variety of circumstances in which their messages may be reviewed um, kind of in the future and retrospectively. And kind of careless wording in communications can be read out of context and misinterpreted. So uh, training should should really emphasise that firms are now routinely required to provide text and WhatsApp messages as a matter of course, um, and that failure to provide such business communications may not be an issue solely for the firm. There could also be consequences for the individuals themselves. Training for managers should uh, include reference to the importance of setting the right example um, for example, uh, making sure that it's the expectations are made clear to new joiners early on and that um, managers are not being seen to condone or participate in any breaches of the policy. Um, ensuring that training and procedures make clear when and how the use of WhatsApp is permitted, if it is permitted at all, um, and maybe emphasising the need for individuals to separate their work and personal communications. Um, we've certainly found that in the event you need to actually provide uh, these types of communications to a regulator, it can be quite difficult, time consuming and um, expensive to, to try and separate the two sets. Uh, training and procedures should also make clear that individuals should not delete work related messages. Um, and I guess kind of part of this is clearly defining what business communications uh, actually are. So I think many um, employees could interpret that quite narrowly, more narrowly than perhaps they should do. You know, we also find that uh, training, obviously kind of training goes down better and is easier to remember um, if it's done in a more interactive way. Um, so some form of kind of quizzing or testing is usually a good example. And um, also attestations. So uh, thinking about a regular form of um, employees having to confirm that they have um, undertaken and understood uh, are putting into practice the training that they've received. Great, thank you both. A lot there for firms um, to be doing to help ensure that they and their staff are compliant. Looking ahead then, Jonathan, do you think we're likely to see more enforcement action taken against firms for breaches of this obligation or for breaches of communications and record keeping requirements more generally? 
Well, look, it, it's a it's a hot topic. Um, when we know that there are cases in train with the FCA, um, not quite clear <clears throat> how many more re remake cases there will be from Ofgem. Um, but you know, it's clearly a hot topic. And to be clear, there's a sort of there's directly, if I can put it like that, and indirectly, this is obviously very relevant to market abuse cases, both under the financial services and under the remit regime. And there could well be more cases specifically on this, because in a sense, it's a very easy one for regulators. It's almost a strict liability thing. If you haven't got the records, you haven't got the records. So there's definitely an exposure. We're not aware of any specific EU cases that have been equivalent, but I think it's definitely something to keep a very close eye on, take seriously uh, and to you know, take appropriate action, as we've just been discussing. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you both, Jonathan and Hannah, for your insights today. We'll continue to track developments on our Regulator Tomorrow blog. And in the meantime, thanks everyone for listening. Goodbye.